Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. They say it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Well, maybe it is how you start, at least with this team here in 2020. Pretty sure Isaiah Simmons preferred a better start to his NFL career, but look at him now. But first, props to Devon Kennard. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 356, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. So these are the stories you like to read about. These are the feel-good stories, MJ, certainly, especially this week, it being Thanksgiving week. But want to let the Bird Gang know on what happened Friday. I did not catch this in real time, but Devon Kennard, the Cardinals linebacker, posted a photo of him and his mom on Friday with a brand-new car. The tweet, quote, My mom is the backbone of our family. This is the least I could do. She's been driving the same car since I was 10 years old. I had to change that. End quote. Kennard bought his mom a car. That is awesome. I mean, you know, we know he's been in the league long enough, but sometimes, you know, you got to make sure you can't overspend, but he got a new contract. He's, he's home. He's excited. Um, That's, that's great. Uh, Sometimes you want to see videos, just the reaction. Um, listen, uh, and we all know how moms are to any family. They are the backbone. Absolutely. So props to Devon Kennard here as we welcome everyone to this Monday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Hope everyone enjoyed the, I guess, mini buy. Is that what you call this? When you play on a Thursday, you really have three days off, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It is the last time this team is going to have any kind of a rest, MJ. And as Chase Edmonds mentioned earlier today, quote, you feel a lot fresher. It's amazing what happens when you just get that one extra day off, in this case, three straight days before you have to go back to work on a Monday. Yeah, and, you know, you look at it, I mean, obviously you would like to have that win. Um, You know, you go for possibly a a chance to win the division. Now, still a lot of football to be played tonight. You know, you're looking at a wild card, you know, based on, you know, certain schedules for certain teams. But uh, they know what's at stake. Um, You know, their games are not going to get easier. I know that we're going to look at a team and they're going to have a record next to their name. But, you know, Cardinals got to go on the road. Uh, They got to go to New England. They're going to have to go play the Giants um, and the Eagles. So, I mean, I think it's three and three, three at home and three on the road and not some division games. But, you know, I still think this is a playoff team. I, I really do just based on their offense and, and their defense is going to have to make some, uh, you know, obviously some stops and they've been hit with the injury bug. But, you know, just looking back at the game, it was just disappointing because the offensive line had played so well. Um and, you know, you got to give Seattle credit. Uh, they had a really good game plan. Uh, you know, they learned a lot from that first go around. And, you know, um, the Cardinals offense, you know, they were rolling and they didn't score a lot of points and they didn't run the ball very well. So I think there's a lot of things to clean up. And if you want to be a playoff team, you're going to have to get better. Yeah, still not quite ready to close the book on that week 
11 game on Thursday night football. Cardinals lose 28-21. We talked a lot about what went wrong on our last show on Friday with respect to the offense, how disjointed everything looked, certainly the penalties and the inability to get that key stop of the Seahawks offense. Yet we only touched on it briefly, and it was probably, if not the one main positive, at least one of two, maybe, you know, being in position to tie the ball game up despite how poorly the offense and defense played. But the one real bright spot, Isaiah Simmons, the inside linebacker, eighth overall pick. And here is someone, MJ, that Cardinal fans have long talked about. Ever since the commissioner made the announcement back in April, we wanted to see Simmons on the field. And it's hard to gauge without an offseason and very little in training camp with what we were able to see, and obviously no preseason. And then coming out of the gate at San Francisco, and he was exposed. You brought that up time in and time again here on this show. Kyle Shanahan went after Isaiah Simmons uh, early in that contest, and it was just a slight decline, if you will. Massive expectations and a lot of disappointment, but I think here we are on November 23rd. We're seeing what the Cardinals saw and why they drafted Simmons and now we're finally seeing it materialize on the football field yeah I mean if, if the draft if the draft was tomorrow they would make the same pick based on the order they would they would go back to the podium they have um, they've never wavered on this guy and, and I know fans when you drafted eighth overall and you see what he did in college first of all it's not college okay you're going against men and this is a this is the NFL and fans, I get it. You know, you see a guy drafted that high. Why isn't he playing? And, Craig, if they listen to this show uh, from the draft up until training camp, we've maintained how many snaps is he playing in the month of September? Now, people don't want to – people don't uh, include this. And when we heard veteran players say they missed the preseason just to get, you know, looking at another uh, uniform, you know, getting the – you know, getting your technique right with another starter that you have in practice in camp, it was going to take time. This guy had no offseason, okay? And he's not the only one. Patrick McQueen uh, with the Ravens, he may, he played pretty out well yesterday. He's struggling. I mean, um, and no preseason games. And, and, and people are so all that this is a wasted pick. How come he's not out there? Well, first of all, you have to earn it. And second of all, he's earned it. And I talked to people over the weekend, and I tweeted something out. What you're seeing from this guy, first of all, we're seeing the athleticism. We're seeing how he attacks the ball in the open field. We're seeing how he can cover. We're watching him going down and making kicks on special teams. You give Isaiah Simmons an entire offseason with the preseason, this guy will be a three-down player next year. He will be a starter. And it wouldn't surprise me if he gets more time now. So, everyone, this is part of what the 2020 is about. I mean, we look around the league. Some rookies are playing well. Um, some are still swimming. But the Cardinals were convicted with this pick, and they knew it would happen. It just takes time. And where we live in a microwave society, we want instant results. So if you were doubting Isaiah Simmons, shame on you. Kingsbury made an interesting comment as we've got an airplane flying overhead here. It is 2020. Everyone is working from home. But Kingsbury brought up the point that Simmons was brought along, quote, at the right pace. There was a plan in place because of a lack of an offseason and no preseason, and especially when you go out in free agency and get Devondre Campbell 
there wasn't really a need for Simmons to play week one. He was talented that you wanted him on the field because you could use him in a number of different ways, but they could afford to say, you know what, we'll slow play it, see how you pick up things, and then gradually increase your snap count. I went back and did a deep dive as far as the snap counts are concerned. His first seven games, 83 total snaps. Now, that's not a good average for a top 10 pick, and you have every right bird gang to be disappointed that you didn't see Isaiah Simmons on the field a lot. But the past three games, 109 snaps. He's had 32, 32, and then against the Seahawks, 45. A season-high 45 snaps, 68% of the defensive snaps. Now, how much of that is because he's earned it, as you said, and he can handle it? How much of that was because Campbell is dealing with that calf injury? Not 100%, can't be on the field every single play. But it is something that you touched on, that there was a plan, and as Kingsbury said, at his pace or at our pace that we're comfortable with throwing him out there. And now you're seeing more of number 48. And I only think it's going to continue as this season continues, even though these are some huge games. Simmons gives you your best opportunity to win. You put him out there on the field. Yeah. And he's playing the weak side linebacker position, which they've been very consistent with. Now there are times he can cover the slot. There are times he's going to rush the, the, the passer. But everyone's like, what's his natural position? And give the Cardinals credit. They have been very consistent with this, but the slow play. Uh, yes, you went out and got Campbell. Uh, but you start looking at the future. Isaiah Simmons is the future. Campbell's on a one-year deal. But you still need your veteran players, especially when we get to this time of the year. Um, but for, for the most part, they've been very consistent. And, and again, it's like waking up on Christmas, you got this new toy and you want to play with it. And then, then you find out it needs batteries. So you got to wait. It's just, I mean, I, I understand, but I, I just think people need to uh, back off a little bit because you're seeing the upside of why they drafted him. And I, we know this, Greg, he was one of the highest rated players on their board. Okay. We can talk about Joe Burrow. They didn't need a quarterback. We talk about Chase Young, obviously, you know, a pass rusher. Um, Jeff Okuda, they had thought they filled their, uh, you know, cornerback spot, obviously, you know, with Alford coming back and then Murphy in the mix and Patrick. Uh, he was ranked very high on their board. They were thrilled. You just watch the all or nothing. Um, and if they're, if he went to, um, if Simmons went to Carolina, I think the Cardinals would have taken Derek Brown. I yes. really do. I think that would have been the pick. Uh, we talked about that front seven, even though you went out and got Kennard and Jordan Phillips and you signed Campbell, they needed to add some depth and game changers. So it could have been Brown who's, who's actually playing. Um, but um, I got no problem with the Simmons pick. And, and I just think when it comes to the future, you're going to be seeing one of the, the better players on this defense. And he's young. You look at By uh, Buda Baker, young. Byron Murphy, young. OK, you got a couple, uh, you know, uh, uh, run stuffers young. So it's not. Yes, you want to have veterans, Hicks, Campbell, Peters, Peterson, you know, um, you know, Banjo. You want to have some veteran guys. But you look at 25 and under uh, on that side of the ball, they, they're going to look good. And, and, you know, and you only add to it. I mean, people are already trying to figure out what they're going to do in the draft. It's like, let's wait for the offseason. OK, because everyone last year thought, oh, they're going to take a receiver. OK, or they're going to take a tackle. No, they didn't go either out. They got they traded for DeAndre Hopkins and they retained some of their own players and then they still got Josh Jones. So I like where they are and they're this is a young team and again I, I 
I think they're a playoff team and I hope they make the playoffs because I think they've earned it and they've showed the ability to make a jump from one year to the other. Well, let's go back to what defensive coordinator Vance Joseph had to say when he addressed the media following that bye week. And this was after the Cardinals had just defeated the Seahawks on Sunday night football. He called Simmons a different guy a different player walked back into that facility after the bye week as if the light switch had gone on. And now he kind of understands his role, but also understands more his position on the football. Where do I need to be to make a play? And now just reacting to what is happening in front of him as opposed to, and maybe he is still thinking, but maybe not nearly as much to where he's a step or two behind. He's closing that gap, if you will, to where he can be next to a Hicks, a Campbell, or whomever, and be on the same level as far as knowing their assignment for that particular snap of the football. Well, I mean, if you want to connect the dots uh, coming out of the bye, um, he, he, he's the one that helped the Cardinals win that game with the interception. And so here he's, you know, it's Russell Wilson. Yeah, the receivers didn't, you know, hot route. Him and Tanner Vallejo, they made plays. The Cardinals don't possibly win that game. What, how to, so here he gets a little time. And, again, every time we talk to someone, they said, hey, listen, he asks questions. Um, you know, he's, he's really focusing on, you know, you know in, the, in the linebacker's room, even though he does do um, reps with the DBs, just more for footwork, and that's worked for him. So, yeah, I mean, it's – like I said, I you know, I, I just think that – I, I like what I'm seeing, and, and I think he's going to be a really good player. And But, again, uh, you know, small steps here. I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to Canton, Ohio, but I see the upside. I talk to people, and uh, once again, they love the pick. I mean, and they, if they had to do the draft all over again, they would take the same player. Well, there's been a natural progression. There's yeah. been an upward slope. There hasn't been that roller coaster, if you will. Kyler Murray a year ago had the roller coaster, but you expect that because you're playing day one. And of course you're playing the quarterback position, but they were able to, with respect to Simmons, feed him just a little bit each and every week to where he could say, all right, give me more, feed me more. And I think that's exactly what this team has done. I'm glad you brought up the interception of Russell Wilson in that Sunday night football contest, his first career interception. And now you look past at what they did against the Seahawks most recently on Thursday night football, his first career sack on third and two in the first quarter. So how about this? You've got Russell Wilson, arguably a Hall of Fame quarterback, or at least trending that way. And Isaiah Simmons has his first career interception and his first career sack against Wilson. And how many tackles he had in that game? He had a game-high 10 tackles in that context. Excuse me, a team-high. He had 10, which made a, a team-high nine tackles, one assisted tackle for a total of 10. Well, and we also um, – I want to say it was the Buffalo game. And Hassan Reddick told us when he came to the sidelines after making a play, he said, Hassan, I can play in this league. So, I mean, again, we talk about confidence and being comfortable and not thinking. And, and Craig – Without without him having this, you know, great little run here, and it's a small sample. I, when I tweeted it out, I said it was a small sample. Um, but you, how many times do we sit here and talk, oh, we'll see this guy make a jump from year one to two? Well, he's already making that jump. And so the, the sky's the limit. You know, again, give him an, and this is not for just him. Give all these young guys 
an entire offseason, preseason, a normal, you know, offseason where you have OTAs and, and you have mandatory mini camps and all that, um, where you can make mistakes out there. You won't go back in the film and you correct it. Um, but we're starting to see it. And, and Bruce Arians always thought, you know, when it comes to the rookie class after um, Halloween or Thanksgiving, he thought that you're not a rookie anymore because in college you play 10 or 11 games here. You're going to play 16, normally 20. And so we're seeing that we're seeing that progress now versus saying, oh, let's just wait till next season. Give him a break. He's, you know, obviously he didn't have the offseason like anybody else. And, and he's a rookie and his head spinning. We're not having that conversation right now. There's a seven-game sample size, and now we've got a three-game sample size, and that improvement year one to year two, well, it's happening in year one, first half versus second half, and it's not just us that have noticed it, pro football focus. I know there's a love-hate relationship with that, but Simmons against the Seahawks most recently earned the highest defensive grade on the team at 72.0. He also had above-average marks in run defense, coverage, and pass rush and we're seeing a lot of that versatility yeah they want him at inside linebacker but he has shown the ability to come off the edge get to the quarterback and also if needed drop into coverage or at least drop into zone coverage to where if a tight end or a wide receiver is coming across he can hang with a certain number of wide receivers slash tight ends that we've seen and again your words small sample size but it is something to be excited about moving forward with the defense. Well, and let's be honest. I mean, when it comes to first, second, and third round picks, you got to hit on those guys. We know fourth, fifth, and sixth, and seventh. A lot of times they, they make the roster just because, you know, they're a depth guy, but you got to hit on these picks. And, you know, um, you look at Chase Edmonds and Marcus Golden, and he's back, and you look at Christian Kirk. Um, I mean, the, Steve's done a better job with that. It's it's a crapshoot, but the fact that you know we can sit here and say uh, the future looks bright now. Again, it's a small sample, and to me, um, he's only going to get better. I don't see him taking a step back. There'll be games that you know he's a rookie and, and a savvy veteran guy will make a move on him. But I'm just telling you, I I, I really like the ceiling and, and to, to see it now, not and say, oh, you're hoping in the off season he makes a jump. No, we're seeing it now though. And that's why I'm encouraged. And then when you can hit on a first round like pick like that for years to come, I mean, at some point we're going to be talking about him as one of the better players on defense. Not now, down the road. Well, the guy that he lines up next to, Jordan Hicks, addressed the media earlier today. And one of the questions was about Isaiah Simmons. Quote, the sky's the limit with respect to Simmons because they see what we don't. And that is the work that is being done in the classroom on the practice field and then asking the questions because Simmons wants to be involved. He wants to be a part of the solution and not set this team back any. So I think there's a healthy amount of respect in that locker room for a young player. And then we saw it after that first Seahawks game with the interception, he got a game ball, his fifth defensive snap and the locker room erupted with excitement. I don't think you get that with some rookie that comes in with a big header on their shoulders, thinking they know it all. Um, you'll be put in your place rather quickly. And I think Simmons is, he's played his part. And then the coaching staff has uplifted him along with his teammates. And we, we asked every time we talked to uh, Jordan Hicks or, uh, you know, Devondre uh, Campbell, even Corey Peters, even Hassan Ruddick, because he's been in the league long. Every time we asked about this guy, he's working hard. It's just a matter of time. Well, 
it's come a little bit sooner than maybe some thought. And again, small sample, but I, I just like where he's at. I like where his mind is. I like the fact that he, he can, he, he can do a lot of different things, even though uh, they've been very consistent at a weak side, but he, he's a guy kind of like Buda Baker. You can move him around on defense. Now, one last note on Simmons and we like when Peter King writes about the Arizona Cardinals. Well, he, talking about Isaiah Simmons, was included among King's 20 things that hit me this weekend in his weekly Football Morning in America column. He wrote this about Simmons. The eighth pick of the April draft, monster defensive back Isaiah Simmons is out of the witness protection program. He could be <laughs> a big factor for the cards in the last six weeks, end quote. Now, there's a couple of things that I suggest there. One, he called him on a defensive back, which – I, I know he's got coverage skills, but I wouldn't call him a defensive back. And then the phrasing witness protection program, which I'm sure a lot of the bird gang feels like that's exactly where Simmons was to the first seven games of the season. Well, and, and the Cardinals played last Thursday, you know, we talked, we didn't, we obviously break the game down in here. We're, we're, we're talking about him because that was the bright spot and, and Peter King recognized it. And usually if something happens on Thursday and he writes forever and he's still writing, um, sometimes it doesn't make the list. And then you, you talk to Cliff, you know, obviously next day it's a little bit better than a loss because, you know, he does have to answer questions about, Hey, what, what stuck out, even though they're upset about the loss. So it's good. And his teammates are talking about, and you got Peter King talking about him and, and, and when Steve Kimes been on Doug and Wolf um, and they ask, and you have to ask just because he's the eighth overall pick again, he's never waited and they see stuff. We don't even see. Um, we just hear about it. You connect the dots and then you watch the game and you see how much progress again, long ways to go, but I like what I see versus after the year we go, wow, I hope Isaiah Simmons pans out. I don't have that question. Bird Gang, make sure you update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. As we continue here on this Monday, Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. So Simmons, certainly a bright spot, but we are noticing a trend with respect to the Arizona Cardinals on the other side of the ball, the offense. And this is not Bird Gang a good trend, and it is the number of slow starts. It's cliche. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. To a certain extent, MJ, that's true. Yet what's happening in the first quarter, first half, I think is affecting this team late in ball games, especially if you're not scoring out of the gate. Went back and looked at the 10 opening drives for the Arizona Cardinals here in 2020. They have one touchdown, one field goal. The touchdown drive was against Washington. Heck, that was all the way back in week two. The other possessions, six punts, including four three and outs, and two turnovers. That, and you've got a team that is one of the better offenses in the entire league, and with a six and four record, they're putting themselves in a hole that they're having to dig out of more times than not They've been successful more times than not, but in those four losses that we've seen, say for maybe the Carolina game, it's because of a slow start that they weren't in position to finally overcome that final deficit that they needed to, to walk off the field with a win. Prime example, Thursday night, 
couple three and outs, they had 23 yards in the first quarter. And they and they're trailing at halftime. Yeah, and, and it's interesting, Craig, when you when you point that out, you know, we watch it and you're thinking, all right, maybe the second quarter, and you can go back and see how many points are scoring in each quarter and how much they're giving up. But uh, normally, when you, whether you take the ball or you defer, a lot of those are scripted plays. I mean, and, and for our, our listeners out there, uh, when it comes to third down, you don't have a scripted you, – you script your 15 to 12 to 15 plays. The head coach and the quarterback talk about it all week. They'll, they'll uh, minimize it on a Saturday night, maybe come in on Sunday, you're good with this. And so you, you do – and then, you know, Kugler in the running game and, and then, you know, Rye and Sullivan in the passing game. So everyone's on the same page. But normally with scripted plays, is something you see during the week that you think you can attack. And that's where you can put your foot on the, on the pedal. And um, I don't, and I'm not, I'm not saying they're coming out conservative. I don't, I can't put my finger on it because we know that Kingsbury, you know, and like all good coach, they script their plays and you watch teams and you're like, man, they're up seven, nothing already. Um, uh, obviously it, it comes down to play calling is execution. Okay. Play calling is execution but you would think they would have better numbers just based on them being number one in total yards, which I think is kind of misleading. I I'm more into, you know, what are you doing in the red zone? What are you doing on third down? What are you doing goal to go? And listen, they're night and day from a year ago, but it's just interesting that they, they, they haven't had great starts and, you know, we're sitting here uh, six and four, the team is, they got six games. And, and I, and again, I think they, they're a playoff team, but, you cannot, I mean, I don't care if you're playing the Patriots, the the Eagles, the Giants, you know, you look at games that are possibly winnable. I mentioned road games there. Um, the, the tighter the game gets in the fourth quarter, well, that gives the the, the other team an advantage. So I'll, this team, in, in I, I we give the offensive line a ton of credit. They did not play well in that game. And maybe it was because they were bringing four or five. and But that was the first time where I thought, man, the offensive line, um, I didn't not saying they didn't show up, but they didn't get the job done like we previous had. It was almost a given. And I think it showed where they shut Murray down um, and the Cardinals didn't have a lot of explosive plays going in. We thought they can attack those corners. So, yeah, I, I, again, the, the main thing is to win the game. But if you, you, you get off to these slow starts, you're digging a hole and then puts more pressure on the defense. You're not going to win games in the first quarter, but you can certainly lose games or in the Cardinals case, make it more difficult to win games in the first quarter because scoring wise, the first 15 minutes is the team's worst quarter of the four across the board. 52 points the Cardinals have scored. The next fewest points scored in a quarter, the fourth quarter at 70. Second quarter is their best at 86 third quarter, 76. And then the other thing is they're getting outscored by 13 points in that first quarter. So yes, it's putting a strain, not only on the offense to come back, but the defense to get an extra stop or two. So the offense can get back on the field with an opportunity to get the team, the lead. Speaking of leads though, MJ Cardinals have not had a lead after the first quarter since week five at the jets and only three times overall. They have not had a lead at halftime since week six at the Cowboys and only three times overall. You love that this is a second half team always in it at the end. Yet, I just think 
They're making it so much more difficult on themselves. They don't have to be a second-half team. Be a complete team to where you're playing with the lead, and then all of a sudden you can do what you want. You can dictate what you want on offense and defense when you have the lead. All right. Well, let's go back to last game. Four false start penalties. How many pre-snap, post-snap? Now, again, holding's going to happen. Uh, down in distance, you got to know if you're sweezy, you can't hold. Uh, Kyler Murray on the grounding call, you got to get the ball, you, you got to throw it away. But th- this is what we talk about. What did Cliff tell us? He had 13 negative plays in that 13 game? 13 negative plays. Now, I'm guessing that includes when yes. you look at penalties and then plays that lose yards. So 13 negative plays offensively, 13 negative plays. And what was it? Eight of the 10 accepted penalties came on the offensive end. And quoting Kingsbury about that offense, we were off schedule. We were disjointed the entire night. And that's what's going to happen when you're playing behind the sticks. Yeah. And, and it's, again, you know, first and five, uh, first and 15, uh, holding first and 20. And, and at some point on third down, you, you're just playing for field position, hoping you, your defense can make a stop and, you know, Andy Lee punts the ball. But, yeah, penalties, have, it's been their Achilles heel all year. And you're going to go against a team that doesn't commit penalties. And the New England Patriots, you know why? They don't beat themselves. They might not have the most talented roster. And there was no crowd noise. That's what's perplexing. And, again, I, I, it happens, but – Pre-snap, post-snap, you know, Kirkpatrick, those, those are lack of focus. Those are mental errors. They call them MEs. Those are mental errors. They should not happen. Well, let's just look at the five first-half possessions against the Seahawks. First possession, three and out. Three straight pass attempts. They have to punt the ball. Second possession, Murray gets sacked. Dan Arnold gets called for a false start. It becomes third and 12 and another three and out. Now, the third possession was a clean possession. They marched downfield, eight plays, 50 yards for a Kenyon Drake touchdown. And then in the second quarter, there was two more punts, including a three and out. But that first possession in the second quarter, Murray was sacked. Justin Pugh, a holding call. There was a false start on Justin Pugh as well. And then another sack of Murray on that final possession before the end of the first half that all of a sudden – what we just talked about. Well, there's the reason that this team can't get out of their uh, out of the gates quickly is because they can't get out of their own way. Yeah, and you know, we'll see what Belichick does. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that. Um, usually, he tries to take out your your best player and then go attacks your weaknesses. And you got to give Ken Norton a lot of credit. I mean, Murray wasn't able to run the ball, and when he doesn't be able to run the ball, the numbers offensively are not the same. I mean, he we think he's you know, your one-two punch is, is Chase and Drake and Chase, and then Murray's the luxury, even though he's a big part of their offense. But, um, you know, in your notes, we've talked about it. Cardinals are 1-8-1 and one when he, he's held under 30 yards, and 0-5-1 and one when he gets fewer than 20 yards. And so our team going to put a spy on him? I mean, again, this is what we're going to see, and, and we know it's a copycat league, and Clearly, Ken Norton figured it out from the first go around. We're going to treat, and, and Bobby Wagner did say we watched a lot of film on this guy, and we think we have a different, um, you know. And, and I think you and I were talking, and we're like, well, easier said than done. But I think they went out there and proved it. Well, and the other thing the Seahawks did, which is what something Chase Edmonds brought up earlier today, because he was yeah. asked about the run game and it just couldn't get off the ground. 
And he mentioned that a lot of it was the Seahawks and the look that they gave was a lot of crowding of the box, five defensive linemen. He specifically mentioned yet what that shows you is something else is open. And I think that's where the Cardinals thought they had the advantage. That's what we talked about on Friday. That was their advantage. If you're going to take away the run. Okay. I'm, just as confident as Kyler Murray running the football as I am with him throwing the football, maybe even more so, yet you have to be able to, if you've got five defensive linemen or seven or eight in the box, well, that means your wide receivers are one-on-one. And then if they're not open, now that's a whole different discussion about getting separation. But even if a DeAndre Hopkins is covered or a Larry Fitzgerald is covered, um, they're still open. That's They've earned that right. And I think to a certain extent, Murray is still trying to figure that out because he doesn't want to make mistakes. He doesn't want to turn the ball over. I'm not saying he's too cautious, but that's going to take some time. And we're only a year and a half into this process or with respects to Hopkins, we're only 10 games into that relationship. Yeah. And that's why, you know, when, when we try to bring up, you know, I do three, you know, key factors, you you look at the matchups and usually has something to do with running the football, protecting the quarterback, not turning it over. And Again, uh, I'll, I'll give the offensive line the benefit of the doubt. I'll give them a mulligan in that game, even though it counts. But they they've done definitely have done their part, and I'm sure Kugler's going to be you know on, on his p's and q's like he is every week. To hey, you know we have to get better. We we first game Kyler Murray, I think it was one hitter, zero hits. This game they hit him seven times. I mean it was a big difference, and he took a hit and. You know, we'll get more on that. According to uh, Ian Rapport, it appears that he'll be fine. Um, probably some soreness and then, you know, throughout the course of the week. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's um, – again, if this team's going to go, Craig, they have to run the football. It's funny. We're talking about this, and here they are, still 6-4, and four, still one of the better offenses across yeah. the league. But that is where the frustration comes in on a Sunday night on Cardinal Talk or a Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Monday evening, as you're digesting what happened 24 hours earlier on missed opportunities or why can't this team get into a rhythm and get in sync on a consistent basis for all four quarters for a couple of weeks in a row. You're not going to be perfect and you can't sustain it for 16 weeks, 16 games. But that is where I think a lot of we know how good this offense can be. They know how good they can be, and it's just a matter of going out and doing it and execution. And, yes, sometimes the defense wins, but more times than not, it's falling on the offense's shoulders to move the football and score points. And have they done it? Yes. There was that five-game stretch before Thursday night football, 30-plus points, 400-plus total yards. But even during those games, MJ, we were talking about, hey, this just doesn't seem right. It doesn't pass the eye test. Are we greedy? Okay, yeah, I admit we're a little greedy. But that's because we know what this team is capable of doing and showing on that football field. Yeah, and and you go back to that final drive. And, you know, I, I, lo- I went back and looked at the sequence. And, you know, I understand that, you know, um, they felt like Isabella was open. Kyler underthrew him. Maybe that had something to do with his shoulder. Uh, just, you know, but they, he was thrown on the sidelines when, when they're on the sidelines, they had a heating pad on. Uh, the throw of the fits kind of a little bit late there. Uh, but to me, Craig, you had two timeouts. I mean, uh, 
I think they could have had a, a better possession there where they get a little bit closer and they don't have to go for those, those, you know, and people are going to say, why are they throwing Isabella? Well, I mean, any Isabella, he made a great catch this year in the end zone. Um, he's got the speed. We talked about them not having their top two corners out there. So we, we talk about matchups, but I would have liked to see them, you know, utilize the the play clock and the two timeouts and get a little bit closer. Cause we, again, we knew they had to score a touchdown, but I thought, um, there were 43 seconds on the clock, I, th- I want to say, right? Well, they had it first and 10 okay. at the Seattle 27 with 54 seconds left. And okay. that's when, when we they... saw the three straight incompletions and then the sack. Yeah, okay. Okay, because they, they were able to move the ball when they got it up until the 50, right? There were four straight completions. Yep. And then to get to the Seattle 49-yard line with a minute 32 to go, and then we saw Chase Edmonds – run mm-hmm. for 11 yards, which we've seen this team even in a hurry up. You catch yep. the defense back on its heels and you run the ball up the middle and all of a sudden yep. you got a chunk play, even though time is ticking down. So I liked how everything started and it just kind of like stopped for whatever reason. And, you know, don't like to always give credit to the defense, but maybe some is due to what uh, Ken Norton was able to do as the defensive coordinator. But taking the ball with, 2.15 left and two timeouts from your own 21-yard line, heck, that's an eternity for any quarterback in Kyler Murray's situation. Yeah, and again, um, this is what, their 26th game? Uh, they're both learning, but, it, you know, uh, you, you got to learn from your mistakes or you got to learn from what I would have done differently. And Cliff is, you know, one thing I'll appreciate about Cliff, uh, he'll come out and said, you know, maybe I should have – done something a little bit different here of course it's hindsight but again if everyone's doing their job and Kyler makes that throw maybe we're having a different conversation if he gets the ball quicker to Larry and and I you know I went back and thought maybe they should have thrown the flag after you know talking to some people in the know meaning guys that officiated uh that was a great non-call so I was wrong on that um but I think there were other ways you could have got down there and try to get a touchdown a little bit uh shorter pass yeah there was what three defenders converging on fits. There might've been a little bit early contact, but again, late in game, sometimes it's a little bit yeah. harder to get that flag out of the official's pocket. And then the Andy Isabella play on the very next possession or the next snap of the football, he was open. I mean, it was a good route yeah. and he had beaten the defense. The ball just wasn't on time. And you know, whether that's Murray was late seeing him or because of the pressure coming and he just couldn't get where he needed to be set to throw the football. Hopkins, though, he was not only covered, he was double teamed. And it's one thing to throw the ball up in the air and have him jump. But when he's not quite in the end zone or still at the 15, I think 10, 15 yard line, it's where he was kind of at. Those throws become more difficult to get when it's more of a line drive as opposed to jumping up to high point it. Yeah, I guess what, what I'm getting is once you get to fourth and 10, uh, obviously, again, you have to try to win the game, but uh, he didn't even get a chance to throw the ball. They rushed three and Carlos Dunlop, you know, he sacked him. And I was just hoping they get some more positive yards where you're not sitting at that fourth and 10. But hey, uh, I'll give the Seahawks credit. I, I thought they, uh, they, they won at the line of scrimmage and that's how the game ultimately played out. Bird Gang, if you like this podcast, make sure you subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. That way you can get all of your favorite shows on the go, like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, The Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. 
Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. As we continue here on this Monday, Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Before we call it a day, MJ, the news that we talked about late last week with respect to the new addition on the defensive line has become official. Tomata Petco has signed six foot three, 325 pound defensive lineman. Last played for the Ravens seven games last season, but he is now an Arizona Cardinal. And really, I know head coach Cliff Kingsbury wouldn't commit to saying how much of a role he would have this week, but considering the depth or lack thereof at that position, I fully expect to see Petco on the field and maybe a lot come Sunday in New England. Well, it's a little bit different than Marcus Golden. I mean, you know, he was out of football and, you know, you, you got to get into football shape, but they're only asking him to play X amount of snaps now. You know, I'm, I'm just as curious as everyone else when it comes to Rashad Lawrence, Zach Allen. We know how much they lose uh, lost in Corey Peters and Chandler Jones, and, and, and but uh, I'm not going to say he's a plug-and-play guy, uh, but there's a reason why, you know, they decided because they brought in th- three guys for tryouts and he came in for a visit and a visit means they're obviously doing their physical and kind of see what kind of shape he's in. And they made a decision to pick him and obviously Vance Joseph. I mean, he's, he's a tough guy. If you remember against us, he was calling out the count and he got penalized a few different times um, in that game. Um, but, you know, he's had a long career in Cincinnati. Um, you know, they made the playoffs a lot of times under Marvin Lewis. Um, they had really good coordinators there. Um, so, I mean, they need him. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. But I, I, if you ask me today, I think he's going to be active. It's just how much does he play and how effective could he be? But he, I'll take a veteran guy like that over a guy that has been on the street and has no experience. You mentioned that last time the Cardinals saw Petco on the field. Darren Urban's got a nice little nugget on that on azcardinals.com. But here's what Kingsbury had to say about Petco. Quote, we're excited about the signing and then added as far as what to expect. Quote, we're hopeful. We'll see how he looks this week. The only reason, MJ, that I say I fully expect to see him and a lot of them now I realize, you know, football shape and everything. But when you look at what's left on that defensive line, Josh Morrill, Trevon Coley, Angela Blackson, Michael Dogby, and that's it. So you've got five defensive linemen right now on injured reserve, and you talked about a couple of them, Rashard Lawrence and Zach Allen, and, of course, Jordan Phillips is the big one. He'll miss a couple of more games, at least because of that hamstring. Look, it's the middle of the season. It's late November. You're certainly not going to find someone to solve all of your problems, but Cardinals certainly could have done a heck of a lot worse. And there's no doubt. And if, if you want to start thinking about Thanksgiving and food, it's like you get that big drumstick and you lose Corey Peters so you can take a bite out of there. You don't have Jordan Phillips, another bite. And, and then you're, you're signing guys that, you know, obviously have experience and you rely on some young guys. And then when you get down to maybe 10 minutes later, there's not a lot of meat on the bone. That's where they are. That's a good comparison. Um, of course, now you got everyone hungry here. <laughs> That's not good. I uh, <laughs> apologize about that, Gang. Now, the relationship that Petco has with defensive coordinator Vance Joseph, we touched on their time together with the Broncos in 2017 and 2018, what I forgot and did not know until the press release earlier today. They were also together in Cincinnati for a couple of seasons, 2014 and 2015. Of course, Joseph was the DB's coach at the time, but 
all coaches. They interact with all players. So there is familiarity. So perhaps that will ease the transition as well. Yeah. And, you know, the Cardinals had intel on Marcus Golden and Josh Morrow. And then you look at Jonathan Joseph has ties to Vance Joseph. So that's what happens when you get to this point where, you know, somebody's willing to go to bat for you and they're relying on your, your, your opinion. It's not like he's saying that, you know, this guy's just a backup. I mean, he, he, they feel he can come in and help them. So I, I, the more the merrier when it comes to coaches and these guys, whether they were younger, it's not too far removed from when Vance was a head coach in Denver. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the same thing, just, you know, just how long he was in Cincinnati and, you know, Vance was there and we know he was in Miami and he was in Houston. So when you get a guy that's been in a lot of different places, he has good Intel. And quite frankly, I think the Cardinals take his opinion, uh, and value it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be signing guys that he's had relationships with. It's not about the buddy system, about can he come in here and help us? And the answer is yes. We'll find out probably sooner rather than later. The Cardinals have altered their practice schedule a little bit this week. They'll be on the field Tuesday, Wednesday, off Thursday for Thanksgiving, and then back on the field Friday before taking off for New England in that game on Sunday against the Patriots. So also we'll get a uh, real-time update on Kyler Murray, who's expected to address the media tomorrow as well as we work our way to week 12 the final six games of the regular season yeah and it started with a conference call with bill belichick today it started with cliff kingsbury and you know, i go to, i recommend going to azcardinals.com kyle odegaard darren urban do a great job pumping out great content um again one-stop shopping when it comes to all our podcasts but the storyline here is is the patriots did draft cliff kingsbury um, I guess it was a couple picks after Tom Brady. Um, well, in 2003, yeah. Brady was in 2001, but it was right. two picks after when the yeah. time Brady was selected. That's when Kingsbury yeah. um, was but selected. One thing we learned, and I think is only natural, when he's looking across the field, I mean, that's Bill Belichick. I mean, he learned. And we know Belichick can coach every single position at a high level. Um, he cut his teeth as a special teams guy and then defensive coordinator and then we know when Brian Flores was there when they lost some of their um, coordinators you know he kind of takes over with his son two of his sons are on the staff but it's got to be just butterflies and nerve-wracking that you're, you're going against a guy that and Cliff admitted that he knows more football than he'll ever know and we're talking about an NFL head coach so that's going to be the storyline going in just how much did Cliff learn and when it gets to game day, and, and I do think Kyler Murray is going to be the X factor because they're going to try to take away Hopkins or maybe they'll try to contain the run game. But that's going to be the conversation all week, just how much he learned there. And Cliff went on IR and, and Bill gave him projects to where, you know, he was breaking down film. And he said he still uses some of that today uh, with his coaching. And so. You know, it, it's really the, uh, you know, the professor and the pupil here, no disrespect to Cliff, but I think it's quite frankly that um, that's something we're going to be talking about all week. And then we're going to look for it. And, uh, you know, we talked about it earlier, um, just getting off to a better start with those scripted plays and learning how to finish because, you know, I, I think it's going to be a close game. They don't, they don't beat themselves. That's, that's the bottom line. They're, they work on situational football all the time. It's, it's, they, use their Fridays to work on situations so they don't beat themselves. And we'll just have to wait and see. And, you know, Cam Newton's been up and down. I think he's better since the COVID, but we'll have plenty of time. But those are going to be the major storylines. And, and can the Cardinals get back in, in, in the winning way 
to where some of these games coming up, um, whether they're road or home, you got division games. So you, you definitely don't want to go on a losing streak. There is the matchup on the field, and then there is the matchup on the sidelines with respect to the two head coaches, and we'll have more on that as the week progresses. On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.